the year 2020 will definitely go down in the history books. And it'll go down in the history books for all sorts of things. But one of them could be this was the year in which we were the most connected we have ever been. Now, it's strange, okay, but bear with me for a moment. You see, in some ways, we have been closer than ever before. The technologies of our modern age have enabled us to do things that to prior generations must really, if they had ever seen it, seem like magic. Church has been able to go straight into your home. I mean, here we are this week watching church online, right? In your own lounge room, wherever you want, however you want, on a mobile phone, on a TV, on your computer. You can sit down and catch up church that you missed. You can rewind and watch a piece again. Although it's not just church meetings, okay? It's not just the, the, the big gathering, but the smaller gatherings. Zoom and those sorts of technologies have allowed us to, well, usually in Bible study, everybody goes to one person's house. Now we can see everyone's home through the screen. It's allowed us to be able to connect with one another in ways that, again, previously would have seen just impossible. We can do Bible study now where, well, previously if you got home a bit late, it'd just be too late, right? I can't get back out the door again. Now you just sit down, turn it on again, closer than ever before. We've been able to have video calls and FaceTime and Instagram stories and TikTok and Space Base or whatever it is that it's called, right? That enable us to communicate with one another visually, directly, closely. We've had our members' videos as we've heard from different people what's happening in their lives. We've had kids' church be able to beamed in directly onto devices for our kids to watch. Closer than ever before in each other's living rooms all the time. And, well, despite whatever closeness this might have brought, despite, and let's be honest, the technology is fantastic, but despite that, there's still a sense that this isn't quite right. It very rapidly became apparent to us that being close is not the same as being together. Being proximate is not the same as presence. I mean, you think about the the sorts of problems very early on in the year, we coined a new term, didn't we? Zoom fatigue. The, The weariness that comes from interacting with each other digitally. But it wasn't even just that. It wasn't even the technology that slowed us down. It was that using this technology, we really weren't close at all. It didn't, it wasn't a case that we got to see into each other's homes because people would put on fake backgrounds so that you wouldn't see what's happening and filters to hide the wrinkles and the spots. We, we use special lights and makeup. Well, we haven't quite brought ourselves to be able to use makeup yet, but we, we, we use the special lights to be able to look just so, to appear something that we, well, aren't necessarily. However amazing the technology we've had at our disposal has been, This year has shown us, it's highlighted to us the reality that, that the true church, that a true church, a healthy church requires not just proximity, not just closeness, but presence. It requires us to be together. 
Now, over the last few weeks and for the rest of the summer, as we continue to explore these markers of a healthy church, markers even of a true church, we've seen already in the first couple of weeks that one of the markers is unity, right? And we saw that in Ephesians chapter 4, which again we're working through today, right? So Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 3, Adam explained for us how we are united, right? We make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit and we have that unity because... There's one body and one spirit. We have one calling, one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, one Father of all who is above all and through all and in all. And so we are joined together one to another. But that unity doesn't mean uniformity, as we saw last week, as Joe so helpfully showed us, that it's not diversity, we're not necessarily divided over preference or things like that. We are united, but it's not conformity. It's not that we are forced or enforced to all be identical. No, in fact, we are a body with all the different parts and all the different bits and pieces that make it up. One unified body with lots of diverse members. And so today, then, our marker is this one of presence over proximity. Together not just close. Now I want to start by pointing out three reasons why this matters, why presence matters, why togetherness matters. And all three are to do with bodies. Our body, then Jesus' body, and then Jesus and our body combined into one. The first reason presence really matters is because of our body. That is, because of the way that you and me were created. Now, I don't know how familiar you are with the creation account all the way back in Genesis at the start of the Bible, but there was something very special, very unique, quite marvellous really, about how God created humanity, how he created people, how he created you and me. Listen to this description. I'm reading from Genesis chapter 1 and verse 26. Then God said, Let us make man, well, we're going to create humanity. And what are they going to be like? Let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. They will rule the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, the livestock, the whole earth and the creatures that crawl on the earth. So God created man in his own image. He created him in the image of God. He created them male and female and God blessed them and God and on it goes. You and I have been made by God in His image. There's a basic underlying reality to our nature, which is like God. Now, there's lots of ways in which we are not like God. We are not all-powerful and all-knowing and all-present. We are not eternal from before time. We are creatures. But we are like God in at least one very important way. There's lots more. We could do a whole sermon series just on the image of God. But there's one way in which we are very like it. Did you notice? Let us make man in our image. See, from the very beginning, God has been relational. That, that is who he is. An eternity past of the loving union between the Father and the Son and the Spirit. It's not, God wasn't lonely when he created the world. He was in perfect harmony within the Godhood. You and me being created in his image, well, it's a description of our reality that we have been created relational. 
it, it, it's not a command. It's not something that you have to be told to do. It's just who you are, created in the image of God. That is our nature, created to relate to Him as our Creator and created to relate to the rest of creation, other human beings, the man and the woman, the animals, everything that is. In some ways, you could say the entire narrative of the Bible is that. It's God pursuing relationship with his creation. I mean, it's there in Genesis 1 as God makes a relational human being, relational men and women, but it continues the whole way through the scriptures. God reaches out in relationship through his word. You could think of examples in the Old Testament, like people like Abraham, whom God finds and makes promises to, or uh, the prophets who God speaks to his people through. I really like the story of Samuel. As a young boy in the temple, he's asleep one night and he hears a voice, Samuel, and I don't know if God's voice is in fact like that, but and Samuel's like, who's talking to me? Who's talking to me? And eventually he realizes it's God. God reaching out in relationship by his word. As we come into the New Testament, the same thing is still happening. God in Jesus calls his people to himself, teaches them, transforms them, and then by his spirit and the scriptures continues that exact same relationship. He does so by his presence. Again, the Old Testament, you've got the tabernacle, the tent of meeting where God dwelt. They moved the temple and God's glory moved with it. Eventually they build the temple and there God settles in a cloud of glory that descends onto it. The Ark of the Covenant that God's presence would follow around. God living with his people and they present to him. As we come into the New Testament, right, the same thing happens. God seeking relationship with his creation. The Lord Jesus arrives, reaches out into humanity, comes as one of us. We'll see a bit more of that in a moment. By the Spirit, as Jesus ascends, God continues that work. Till by the end of the Bible, we started in Genesis 1, and you come to Revelation chapter 22, the very last chapter, the picture of what comes at the end is the picture of relationship, of togetherness between God and his people. Listen to Revelation chapter 22, and I'll read from verse 1. Revelation 22 verse 1, it says, Then in this vision John has, he showed me the river of the water of life, clear as crystal flowing from the throne of God and the Lamb, down the middle of the city's main street. The tree of life was on each side of the river, bearing 12 kinds of fruit, producing its fruit every month. The leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations, and there will no longer be any curse. It's beautiful, isn't it? There's life and no more strife, and yet in the middle of it, the grandest picture of it all, The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city and his servants will worship him. They will see his face and his name will be on their forehead. Night will be no more. People won't need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun because the Lord God will give them light and they will reign forever and ever. Created for relationship. That is the very essence of our nature. Relationship with God first and foremost, and that is a relationship that brings us into relationship with each other, the unity that we've seen so far. Presence matters because of who we are. The presence matters because of who Jesus is. Again, in our passage in Ephesians chapter 4, those kind of strange little verses 
As it talks about Jesus descending and ascending. It's funny how often the little quirky verses are the ones that hold such deep truths. Right? Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 7. Grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. For it says, when he ascended on high, he took the captives captive and gave gifts to people. But what does he ascended mean? Except that he also descended to the lower parts of the earth. Now, strange verses, and yet they, they give us a little insight into one, one of the great truths of Christianity, which is the incarnation. Jesus, God himself, entered into humanity, became truly one of us. One of us. Became truly embodied. Took on the reality of being human. It's strange to think that the salvation plan of God required his presence physically, truly, humanly among us. And yet it did. Now, if you heard one of our Christmas talks in the last couple of days from Hebrews, you'd be well familiar with this. The Lord Jesus come into the world as a human being. The reality is that in order to accomplish what he needed for salvation, Jesus shared in our humanity. He still does. We've got to wrap our heads around the fact that presence was so important there. He became one of us, that he, in turn, might do the work that was necessary. Presence matters because of who we are. Presence matters because of who Jesus is. Both of those things teach us about the importance. The third reason why it matters is because of the body, the the metaphorical body, if you like. Both of those are physical bodies that teach us. The third one is the metaphorical body that is us and Jesus together. Jesus the head, us the body, all united together, as we've seen the last few weeks. Right as we read down in verse 15 of Ephesians 4. Again, speaking the truth in love, let us grow in every way into him who is the head, Christ. From him the whole body, fitted and knit together by every supporting ligament, promotes the growth of the body for building up itself in love by the proper working of each individual part. Joined to Jesus, and so joined to each other, such that we grow together. And I take it that that reality requires relationship, it requires togetherness, it requires presence, it requires us to be together. United for God's purposes. It's funny, I mean, if you want to see what God's purposes are, they're very big, they're very grand, they're quite astonishing. You can, you can just have a look at the verse 10s of the first three chapters, chapter 1 and verse 10. God's plan for the right time to bring everything together in Christ, both things in heaven and things on earth in him. God's plan, unite us all. Chapter 2 and verse 10, we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared ahead of us, ahead uh, prepared ahead of time for us to do. United together, how is that happening as we go about doing the things that God has given us to do, building one another up? Such that chapter 3 and verse 10, this is so that God's multifaceted wisdom may now be made known through the churches to the rulers and authorities in the heavens according to the eternal purpose accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. The end point is that this body that you and me are part of would be displayed to everything that has ever been. 
a body that arrives at the last day mature, perfect, built up one by another. You and I, we're bodybuilders. That's what we are. As Christians, we are bodybuilders. Not, not necessarily the, but right, we, we have the, uh, the whey powder of truth and the enormous dumbbells of love. And here's the, a marker, the third of our markers of a healthy church, even dare I say it, of a true church. United, that doesn't mean uniform, but present such that we can build each other up in relationship, together. Now, this has a number of implications. I've got six of them to spell out for you. The first one is just really by way of a reminder. Jesus is with us. We are part of his body, and in going up to heaven and sending the Spirit, his promise to his disciples, we're with you to the end of the age. Jesus is for us. The true, the real, the powerful Son of God, crowned in glory, seated on the throne as the King, living today, is with us, and He is with us in a very real way. It always amazes me reading those chapters when Jesus was telling His disciples, saying, I have to go. You go, well, why do you have to go? Well, I have to go so that I can send you the Spirit, so that you can receive the things that I need to send, which will give you what you need. And as I give you the Spirit, I will give you, as we see in Ephesians chapter 4, these gifts of those who will teach you and preach to you, who will bring the Word of God into your life, such that you can grow and learn. I will give you those who lead and teach, and I will also give you, Jesus says, each other. Did you notice that in verse 15? Speaking the truth in love, let us grow in every way in him who is the head. This is a truth that we speak one to another. Implication number one, Jesus is with us. Implication number two is one that gets drawn out for us in the book of Hebrews in chapter 10, where the writer to the Hebrews says, do not give up meeting. Do not give up meeting, but all the more, join to encourage one another, all the more as you see the day approaching. Now, this this is talking about church, yes. It's talking about the, the big body gathering, yes. But it's also talking about so much more than that. To be Christian is to be united to other Christians, is to have been joined into a body that is now one, is to have been united to a group whom you have a responsibility towards and who have a responsibility towards you. Now, I appreciate that there's COVID anxiety. I appreciate that there are some for whom the thought of gathering with others again is scary. And maybe for a time, you're not joining with the big group. But please do not cut yourself off from Christians. A solo Christian is... is, it's almost an oxymoron. It's almost an impossibility. Maybe for a short period of time, perhaps. But I'll tell you what, if you want to look at the people over this last year, God's people, and see whose faith is still strong or even whose faith has seen it through some tough times and you want to see whose faith is weak, anemic, barely holding on, if at all, I tell you, there's a very strong correlation between those who have worked really hard to stay connected to the body and those who have just wandered off into convenience or in the end, just forgetfulness. 
don't give up meeting. And again, I don't just mean come to church on Sunday. I mean all the time with your brothers and sisters in Christ, even if it's if it's one-on-one with someone else regularly, if it's your small group, your Bible study, if it's doing some form of discipleship with a younger Christian or being mentored yourself by an older Christian. And yes, getting along to church. Even if you're stuck at home, make sure you're doing your best to gather with others in your home. Implication number one, Jesus is with us. Number two, don't give up meeting. Number three, you need to see yourself as God's gift to other people. Now, we can make some jokes, right? For some, for some of us, it's easier than others, whatever. You need to see yourself as God's gift to others. You are part of the body. You are an absolutely crucial part of the body. You are an essential part of the body that the rest of the body needs. Can you stop and think about your own body for a moment? Just right, start at the top and the, the thinning hair perhaps, the, the, you know, the, the nose that's there, the ears, whatever, whatever neck you have, right, short and stubby, long and thin, whatever it is, shoulders, body, your torso, whatever's inside here, all the different bits and pieces, your legs, feet, arms, hands, fingers, teeth. Which bit would you like to get rid of? Which bit would you very happily Say goodbye to, and I don't mean improving, I don't mean, you know, getting a nose job so it's a little bit perkier or whatever. I mean like just chop it off, right? Bang, it's gone. Your life would suffer for it. You would be diminished for it. There would be other parts of your body that would be very severely affected by that. You are God's gift to others. And in particular, as you speak the truth in love. And so implication number four is just the flip side of number three, and that is you need the body. You need other Christians around you. Can you imagine an arm without a digestive system? And it's not going to last very long, is it? A leg without a brain. It just doesn't make sense. It doesn't work. It doesn't compute. Can we stick it alone for a little while? Well, God in his kindness may well sustain us. But what God has done in his kindness has joined us to the body, united us one to each other, such that we need everyone. And I don't mean we as in an institution. I don't mean we as in corporately. I mean we as in the people of God need each other. We need those who are going to serve by cleaning and by visiting each other, and by being really good at planning, and by being good Bible teachers. We need the people who are really generous givers, and who are steadfast and loyal prayers. We need those who are, who are, who are workers, and are just going to do stuff. We need the people who are vulnerable. We need the people who are needy. We need the people who are hospitable and can cook and we, we need the people who are going to speak God's word to each other and, and we need the people who will, are not afraid to point out sin and to encourage holiness. We need the people who model forgiveness. We, we need each other in all of our strangeness and quirkiness, in all of our weird habits and, and, and even weirder looks, in everything that we are. Together, living in relationship with one another, 
That is what God's people need. So far, we've got implications that Jesus is with us. Don't give up meeting. You are God's gift to others. You need the body. Two more. And number five, there's real power in present teachers. There's real power in present teachers. I know I've said it a little bit lately, but there's danger to only ever interacting with digital versions of Bible teachers. You may feel very close to them. You may feel like you know them. I guess this is true of all sorts of digital content that we may participate in. But that is absolutely nothing like living alongside somebody. You have no idea what is going on right now outside of the confines of what this camera shows. You have no idea of what I am going to do when the camera is turned off. And what happens next? You have no idea if I live what I teach, if all you have is this digital interaction. Not to mention that you miss out on so much of life. It really struck home for me this year when our kids' church leaders were reflecting upon the year that's been. As they were talking about producing videos for the kids and how absolutely rubbish it was how it could never replace relationship and togetherness. They couldn't see the kids and relate to the children and help them and teach them and discipline them and mature them. And the kids couldn't see their leaders. They see this one little box for 10 minutes a week. Life together is what we need, knowing, serving, loving each other. And so then our final implication is really a hope. I want to remind you that what we look forward to above all else, what we've got our mind set on, our heart set on, our vision set on, is that final picture. When we finally find ourselves living in the presence of God. And I hope that shapes everything about you now. That you hope for that, that you long for that, that you strive for it in your life, and that you strive for it in your life, united that you are striving for it alongside your brothers and sisters, that you are part of a cohort, an army, marching together toward that final glorious destination. You're not Bear grills, lost in the wilderness alone. You are part of the army of God. And so we look forward to that day when we will arrive together, mature with him. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that in uniting us to yourself, you've united us to each other. We thank you for this body that is yours, that belongs to the Lord Jesus, and in which you have placed each one of us. Father, teach us the importance of presence, of being together, not just feeling close, to live, to breathe, to relate, to decide, to go through the mess of life and the happiness of life to speak the truth in love to one another. Father, please, would you make our church a place of fantastic community, not like a social club, but true community, gathered around you, sharing that bond of fellowship that is so profound, so deep. And Father, would you teach us that now as a little foretaste of that which we look forward to so much, 
when Jesus returns and we get to be with you forever. And we thank you. We pray these things in the name of our Lord and our Saviour, Jesus. Amen.